Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, and I'll read the last two verses for us now as we prepare to hear from Rich Sylvester on Palm Sunday as he continues to help us fix our eyes on Jesus the Forgiver. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've asked yourself a question, something like this? Really? Why him? Or, or really? Why her? Maybe you were going out for a sports team. Maybe you knew there were, there were too many people going out for the team that, that would actually make the team. The coach was going to have to cut somebody. And the next day after tryouts, you went down to the coach's locker room door and you, you saw a list of names and you scanned through the list and you didn't see your name you didn't make the team, but there was somebody's name on that list. You thought to yourself, I work harder than that person. I've played longer than that person. I know this game better than that person. And you said to yourself, really? Why him? Why her? Or, or maybe it was a promotion at work. Maybe there was an open position at your job you put your name in to be considered. You had been at the company a while. You worked hard. You worked weekends. You were late at night there at night sometime. And, and when the boss finally announced who got the position and you saw who it was, you thought, why him? Why her? I have a better resume than they do. That job should have been mine See, Jesus keeps telling these parables where I'm convinced that the Pharisees, his audience, keep asking that question. They keep going, really? Why him? Why her? We've looked at several of these parables, several of these encounters through scripture in this Lenten season. We were in Luke chapter seven, where Jesus is sitting at a table with Pharisees and in walks this woman of the street, this woman of the city that was known to be a sinner. And she washes Jesus' feet with her hair. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are going, really? Jesus, do you know who she is? Why her? And then we were in Luke chapter 14. For two weeks, Trav's been preaching on the story of the prodigal son, this parable that Jesus tells where there's a father with two sons and this younger son wishes his father dead, takes his inheritance, goes off to a distant land and squanders the money in filthy living and returning to his father, his father embraces him and kisses him, and throws a party, hires a band, slaughters the fattened calf, calf, and says, let's celebrate. And the older son and all the Pharisees listening to the story say, really? Why him? 
And I think as Jesus tells this parable this morning, once again to these Pharisees, they listen to this parable and they ask that same question, really, Jesus? Why him? See, I think Jesus wants the Pharisees to ask this question. I mean, he tells this parable about a Pharisee and another man, right? He tells a parable about two men that go up to the Temple Mount to pray. Two men that are very different from each other. One man, a Pharisee. One man is a Pharisee. And if if you don't know who a Pharisee is, it's someone who is determined to keep the law. They study the Old Testament law and they are determined to live it out. Every little bit of it. They design their life around it. They are pious. They are religious. The community looks to them. They are pillars in their community. And they say, wow, look at how they live out their faith. They're not just religious men. They're often hardworking businessmen too. These Pharisees were known to be be good businessmen, to have made lots of money, to have big estates. Yes, people looked up to these Pharisees. He's seen as this, this, this good man in the community. But Jesus says there's somebody else that goes up to pray. Somebody that's very different and perceived very differently than this Pharisee is in the community. It's a tax collector. And if there's anything more opposite than a Pharisee, it must be a tax collector. I mean, this tax collector is hated by the other Jews. This tax collector is a traitor. This tax collector works for Rome. Rome occupies all of Israel. And, and Rome, as, as an occupier does, wants to take all the wealth and the resources from their conquered land. And so they tax them. They tax them with these heavy taxes and tariffs on their work, their income, their goods. They want to take every ounce of wealth from people that they can and bring it back to Rome. And to do so, they hire locals. They hire Jews that are willing to say, I'll work for Rome. And Rome says, hey, I want you to collect 50%. From these people. Or hey I want you to find a hundred denarii. From this trade. And the tax collectors. They go in and they don't just take what people owe Rome. No no tax collectors go in and take more. Hey you owe 50% to Rome. But give me another 20. So I'll take 70% please. Or hey this transaction. That means a hundred denarii gets sent to Rome. But let's make it 200. And I'll pocket the extra. They were greedy. They were horrible. And and if somebody said, no, I'm not going to pay my taxes. They just said, well, I've got the Roman army at my back. Give me my taxes or get a spear to the face. I want my money. And there at the temple are these two men, this pious, devout Pharisee, this horrible, corrupt traitor of a man, this tax collector. And Jesus says to his audience, Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, one of them walks home from the temple justified. One of them walks home approved by God. 
One of them walks home forgiven. One of them walks home saved. One of them walks home righteous before God. And Jesus says, and that man, it's the tax collector. And I'm convinced that the Pharisees once again just say, really? Why him? But I'm convinced that Jesus wants to let us know why him. Jesus wants us to know why the tax collector is the one that went home justified. In fact, Jesus has been warning the Pharisees all throughout the Gospels. Jesus keeps saying to the Pharisees, you guys are missing it. You guys are missing me. He says in Matthew chapter one, Jesus says, truly I say to you, Pharisees. He says, truly I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. See, Jesus knows that the Pharisees are asking the question. They're saying, really? Why him? Why her? And Jesus doesn't keep his answer a secret. He says, no, let me tell you. Let me tell you why. He says it here at the end of the parable, just as he did in Luke chapter 14. He's not hiding the answer. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. In short, Jesus is saying, humbled hearts are healed hearts. Humbled hearts are healed hearts. And this Pharisee is anything but humble. I mean, this Pharisee is anything but humble. I mean, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you a parable. And he actually tells us who his audience is. He says he told this parable in verse 9. He says he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. He told this parable to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Last week, Travis finished up his two-week sermon on the prodigal son, and he said the younger son was lost, but so was the older son, right? A man had two sons, both were lost. The younger son was lost in his unrighteousness. The younger son was lost in his unrighteousness by going off and living any way that he wanted to. But the older son was lost too. The older son was lost in his self-righteousness. The older one was, was lost thinking that somehow his behavior, his good standing, all that he was doing to do right somehow made God owe him, somehow put him on a plane with God where he didn't need a savior because he had justified himself. Yes, we can be lost in our unrighteousness and we can be lost in our self-righteousness. And Jesus is talking to those people. He's saying, hey, all of you who are trusting in yourself for your righteousness, this parable is for you. And at first I thought, good, I don't have to read this one. 
I can't be the self-righteous one. I mean, we're in a second, we're going to read this Pharisee's prayer. I mean, I've never prayed quite like that. But when I read this Pharisee's prayer and I pick it apart a little bit, I go, maybe sometimes I do have some of that self-righteousness in me. Maybe there are times where I, I trust myself for my righteousness. But Jesus wants all of us to remember, humbled hearts are healed hearts. Humbled hearts are healed hearts. Let's see how this Pharisee is trusting in himself for his righteousness. Let's see how we may be trusting in ourselves for our righteousness. Let me read these two verses starting in 11 about the Pharisee and his prayer again. Jesus says in his parable, he says, the Pharisee Standing by himself, you see, he doesn't want to be contaminated by the other sinners, right? He's going, those people over there pray and they're unclean. I'll pray over here, right? The, the Pharisee goes and stands by himself to pray and he says, God, I thank you. Now, probably after this, we're assuming that he's going to say something like, God, I, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for your kindness. God, I thank you for your presence, your protection, your forgiveness, something like that, right? But no, not this Pharisee. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, the unjust, adulterers, or do you see that guy over there, God? I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector. I mean, look at where the Pharisee's eyes are going. I'm glad I'm not like you and you and you and especially him. Oh, God, thank you that I am not a tax collector. And then he writes his resume for God. And he says, God, I fast twice a week. God, I give tithes of all that I get. Amen. I'm going home. No, I can say it this way and I can laugh a little bit at it. But let's pull it apart and see how this Pharisee is trusting in himself for his righteousness and, and see if there may be some way that we trust in ourselves too. See, the first thing that he does that, that uh, shows us that he's trusting in himself for his own righteousness is that he, he does it through comparison, right? He does it through comparison, he looks at the world around him and he, say, he may say, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them or them, but, but maybe we do this, right? Maybe we, we say something to our wife, we say something to our spouse that, that we know we shouldn't have said, we hurt our spouse's feelings, and then in our head we go, well, I'm not like Roger. Have you seen the way Roger treats his wife? I mean, woo, I'm not nearly as bad as that guy. Or maybe we let a bad word slip out of our mouth, right? In front of the kids, it's really bad. And, and then we go, well, no, I don't have a potty mouth like, like Sarah does. I mean, Sarah, oh man, she's got a horrible mouth. And all of a sudden we do our comparisons so that we feel pretty good about ourselves. So that we trust ourselves for our righteousness. Yeah, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as he is or she is or you are. I'm doing okay. No, no, our self-righteousness comes out in the way we compare our sin to others. 
We make it seem way less than it is because we look around and we go, their sin is way worse than mine. I, I remember a ski trip I went on in high school. So it's probably 1990, I don't know, two, 93? 1993, let's say, went on a, a ski trip with my high school youth group. And I, I love youth groups. I'm so glad that I get to send two of my boys now to youth group on, thir on Thursday nights. So glad there's college kids and young adults and our church staff that can speak truth into their life because you know how it is as a parent. We always say truth to our kids and they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then their high school or, or college leader says the same thing and they're like, dad, you won't believe this thing I learned at church. And I'm like, I told you that once too, but I'm so glad you learned it there. But I was on a high school ski trip. Sorry, I digressed for a minute. I was on a high school ski trip. I was, a, I don't know, sophomore, junior in high school. And I told a joke during mealtime that was an inappropriate joke. And later, one of the youth leaders found me and just said, Rich, I got to tell you, that joke you told was totally inappropriate. You totally crossed the line. You shouldn't have said it. And I still remember my response. I said to my youth leader, I said, really? You're getting mad at me for a joke I told that was maybe a little bit questionable? Did you see the two other kids in our youth group going through the ski uh, lodge, stealing things out of people's backpacks? Did you see uh, the other guy that came from that high school, Fox Lane, uh, in Bedford, New York? Not the high school I went to. And I, uh, Did you see him? Did you see all the language he was using? The music he was listening to? And my youth leader looked at me and said, Rich, are we supposed to compare our behavior to everybody else's? He goes, what you did was wrong. What you said was wrong. It was sinful. And no matter what anybody else is doing, Rich, you screwed up. In our self-righteousness, in our, in our trusting of ourselves for our righteousness, we compare ourselves to other people because it makes us feel good. And we think somehow we're right. But Jesus says, humbled hearts are healed hearts. So the Pharisee doesn't just compare himself to other people. The, comparison, the, Pharisee, the Pharisee also looks at his circumstances as somehow justifying himself. Right? He looks at his circumstances and he goes, clearly I must be doing something right. Right, we look at the circumstances we we're in and we go, hey, I've got a great house, I've got a great car, I've got a good family. Clearly I'm righteous and God is rewarding me greatly. We look at our circumstances and we, we allow it to define our righteousness. We actually do the, the same with other people. We look at other people's circumstances and maybe they're in bad circumstances and we go, man, if only they were making righteous decisions like me, they wouldn't have found themselves in that predicament. And sometimes it's true. Our decisions have consequences. But sometimes we trust our circumstances way too much. Even though scripture says, even though Jesus says, the sun rises on the evil and on the good. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We, we can't let the comfort of our circumstances somehow communicate to us that we are righteous. No, that's trusting in ourselves for righteousness. But Jesus says, humbled hearts are healed hearts. 
through comparison, through circumstances. And finally, I think the Pharisee is also making himself feel righteous by, uh, by, by adding some customs to the law. You see, he, he's going above and beyond the law. See, it's very interesting. Lots of commentators like to look at verse 12 where the Pharisee says in his resume writing, I fast twice a week. I give away 10% of everything that crosses my path. See, the Old Testament law doesn't say you have to fast twice a week. The Old Testament law doesn't even say that you have to give 10% of everything, only certain grains and produce and crops and, and when you harvest uh, uh, your first harvest or when you slaughter your animals. But you don't have to give 10% all the time and you don't have to fast twice a week. Yet this Pharisee stands there before God and says, look at me and these things that I do. And as we look at this, we realize that, that we add on to the list of things that God finds righteous also. We make our own list of customs. It may not be fasting twice a week, but it may be something else. Oh, I go to a church where we sing those good hymns. I go to a church where we, we have praise music. Isn't it funny how Christians add it to their list of somehow being more righteous of what kind of song you sing? Or what kind of clothes you wear? Or what kind of political party you belong to? Or, or what kind of organization you back with your money? Somehow all these things get added to the list of righteousness in our lives. And we think, I trust in myself for righteousness because I, I go to the right church. I sing the right songs. I wear the right clothes. I, I give to the right things. And we're just saying, God, I fast twice a week and I give 10% of all that I have away. We just add to the list things that we do because it makes us feel righteous about ourselves. But Jesus says, humbled hearts are healed hearts. And so we look at this tax collector this tax collector that's not standing far off from everybody else because he doesn't want to be contaminated, but he's standing far off because he's, he's too nervous to come before God. He realizes the depth of his sin and not looking around at anybody else and looking only to the ground because he can't even look up to heaven. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he beats his chest. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Stand there and compare himself to anybody else. He doesn't look at his circumstances and say, look where I've gotten myself, I must be righteous. He doesn't add a list for, of, of, of a resume for God of all the things that he does. He just pleads with his creator and says, God, be merciful to me. And the word that Jesus has this tax collector use is, is unique to the New Testament. It's only used twice in the whole New Testament. This word here for mercy, I mean, generally when somebody talks about mercy in the New Testament, it talks about love and kindness and compassion. But this word, no, the Pharisee is saying, God, make a way for me to be right where there is no way. God, 
Find a way to pay the debt that I could never pay. No, this Pharisee is pleading, saying, God, there is no way for me to be right with you. There is no way for me to be accepted or forgiven, not in my own strength. Make a way for me, God. Please make a way. And so we know that humble hearts are healed hearts because we serve a humble king. You see, it's, it's Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday where, where Jesus rode into Jerusalem. He rode in on an elephant. No, that's not right. He rode in on a war horse. No, that wasn't it either. He had a jetpack on and he soared into Jerusalem. No, it wasn't that either. No, he rode in on a baby donkey. A baby donkey. Our humble king with palms around him and crowds yelling, Hosanna, save us. Our humble king rode into Jerusalem not to sit on a throne, not to, to free them from their Roman occupiers, but our humble king rode into Jerusalem so that he could be hung on a cross, so that he could be beaten and tortured and killed, so that his blood and his body could make a way for us to be saved, so that through his death we could be justified. Yes, humble hearts are healed by a humble king. And so maybe next time when we say, why him? Or why her? We'll add to the list, why me? Why did Jesus die for me? And it wasn't because we had a resume or that we were better than anybody else. But because if we're willing to humble ourselves, to beat our chests, to bow our heads, and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Then we find a way. We find a way to be made right with God. Humbled hearts are healed hearts. Because we have a glorious, humble king. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus by meeting people wherever they are spiritually and physically. If you'd like to learn more or connect with us, follow us on social media at WCChapel757 or visit our website, wcchapel.org. Have a blessed day.